Welcome back, everyone, to the next edition of the FCC Podcast. This is your current commissioner and host, Kirk Swanner. Joining me today, Evan. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Thanks, Kirk. Uh, happy Friday to you. Hopefully, we can make this one short and sweet for everybody. That's right, yeah. So um, if there's any audio or technical difficulties, um, sorry about that. You know, if we were better paid for our rugby time, FCC time, uh, maybe we could fix that. But until then, we're going to keep rolling as it is. But uh, yeah, happy Friday. Let's make this short and sharp. We're just going to go over the eligibility and a couple other housekeeping items we got here for the next couple of weeks. So we are joining CRAA. That does mean that they are going to be reviewing our eligibility for us, which I'm really looking forward to get that off my plate. Um, with that, though, it means that you're not going to be able to get me on a Saturday morning of the sevens event to review your eligibility paperwork. So that means we do need to have it stuff in earlier, right? Yes, sir. I think that's pretty cool. You know, last year we dealt with that in the sevens one. We dealt with it a lot um, through the courses. The season, people trying to get stuff done later on Friday, still going in with people on registrations. And I think I think that would be the biggest feedback point for you and I, as teams, is uh, administrative paperwork needs to get done earlier than Friday night, nine o'clock or Saturday morning at nine a.m. as the events start to happen. So, we could really work hard on that over the next couple of weeks. So, we'll have a great tournament. I think it will be awesome. And then, when the great thing about doing it the way that we are, Kirk, too, is We've got a long runway, so we're ready for the spring. We're ready to go for this. So uh, hopefully you can really explain a lot of this stuff in detail and we can go through it. And then if people have questions, I think they can call either one of us. Happy to help explain anything we need to. Yep, yep. So it, today is October 7th. I want all waivers and all forms into me by uh, November 1st. So that way I've got a day or two to proof it real quick, and then we're going to send it off to... CRAA, and that way we have everything back in time um, before our you know 19th event. If you can get it to me early, that'd be even better. Um, so again, this is this is only we only have to check eligibility for those that are going to be participating in the sevens event on uh, November 19th. So you know, put you probably have a max of like 18 people you think that that can make the cut. If you got more than that, you need to be doing a better job at your, you know, selections and, and talking to those kids. Um, I don't need your entire roster. I just need the folks that potentially might play on the sevens. So, uh, yeah. get... and, and, and to add to that, Kirk, you know, like, yes, but I also think if your team struggles with eligibility, I would highly recommend getting all the stuff done because the stuff you have to submit now, you'll have to resubmit again in the spring. But you all want to make sure you have that so student IDs, the signing and all this stuff, knowing where kids stand. And if the kid is an eligible now, he's not in good standing in school, it's better to know now so that he can fix that coming spring. So whilst I hear you, I also I'll be from my team standpoint, I'll be submitting all 30 plus players or whatever else that we can get their names and documents for. So then I know where they stand and then I can have conversations with those people because it is the worst thing ever to plan on a kid playing come the spring and realizing, oh yeah, well you didn't graduate high school until 2015 and you never told me that. So um, those are the things that I think you can work out through this. But if you're running late and you just need to get 12 players done, you've got to get your 12 players done and focus on that or your 18 players as you say. So um, if you've got time and you want to really get ahead of the game come the spring, my recommendation would be to submit everybody, know where you stand with everybody so you can have those conversations. 
Sure. Do you want to be like Evan and be an overachiever? By all means, go for it. I don't want to see that damn roster of all the players out. But uh, fair enough. That's a great point. Um, what I will say is that in order to get those documents to me by November 1st, you do need to get your your registrar form submitted in this week. Um, cause that, and then give them, you know, two weeks or whatever to plan on two weeks for them to review it. If you want to grease the wheels a bit, take in a Starbucks gift card, take something in to grease those wheels. Cause it does help. Um, we'll come back to the registrar form here in a minute. First thing we're gonna do is we're gonna cover waivers, right? So we're going to talk about eligibility. Now I did create a eligibility flow chart. It will be emailed out to everybody. So <clears throat> The way you read the flow chart is anything in a black box is a question. The answer, you know, so go by any player you think might need a waiver. So at the top, you start there, right? The first question is, are you a full-time student? If the answer is yes, you follow the green arrow. If the answer is no, you follow the red arrow. So if you're not a full-time student, then the next question, the next black box, that's a question would be, are you graduating this fall slash spring semester or next fall slash spring semester? So we did get some, we did make some clarity here. We're not counting the summer as a semester towards that counts towards eligibility. So um, if you're graduating this spring slash fall semester, next spring slash fall, fall semester, that the, you know, the answer is yes, follow the green arrow, at least a blue box that tells you what to do in order to submit for your waivers, right? So you need to submit proof of application for graduation. Um, if you are graduating next semester, show me something. You got to show something that you're you're getting to the last bit of it. So um, now there are potentially some schools that may classify some um, some engineering, like some degrees and stuff like that. If if you are less than full time, you know, I believe I believe an example is at UCF in the engineering school your sophomore year. They recommend you take 10, 10 hours. So if the school classifies you as a full-time student at 10 hours for that semester or whatever, I don't, that's on the school, right? Whoever, the, the definition of full-time student is actually based at the university level. It's not based at my level or at USA Rugby or and to clarify, CRA. And to, clarify, and to clarify that too would be, you can't just say that that's what it is. You have to have your advisor willing to write a letter to that extent with on the school letterhead. So the school's willing to say, yes, this is a normal course load for you, then who are we as a conference to say that that's not, that's not the appropriate thing. Um, but ultimately you have to be full-time and you have to prove why you're not full-time for any one given reason. So just because you have financial hardship or anything along those lines, generally are not considered reasons for not being full-time. Yep. Great. So if uh so now we're gonna go up along the other giant here so are you a full-time student yes great uh did you graduate in high school in spring of 2018 or later right so this um this is within five years of graduation if the answer is yes great you're eligible just make sure you're on the, the registrar form if you are have not graduated within the last five years i'm uh, sorry um yeah are you currently enrolled in grad school if you are enrolled in grad school, great. Submit your unofficial transcripts. Um, did you graduate in spring of 2016 or later, right? So this is basically the one ironclad rule we have, which is you have seven years to play five. If you are older than seven years outside of high school, you are ineligible full stop. 
you're not going to get a waiver past that for that. Um, you know, again, these are to your sixth and seventh years. You do need waivers for each of those two years. Um, if you have played five years of rugby or more, you're ineligible. So if you've been playing, you've been at a community college playing with the men's team for five years, you're unfortunately you're burning up your eligibility. So, um, and then the last one is uh, like, do you have any sort of extenuating circumstance? Um, did your school that you attend not have a rugby program? Were you injured? Were you away for a mission or military or any of that type of stuff? If you have some extenuating circumstances, uh, you potentially can get a waiver. You got to submit your unofficial transcripts, submit uh, proof of high school graduation and an explanation of any extenuating circumstances. So um, that's basically it. You need to be a full-time male undergraduate student within five years of graduation. If you are in your sixth or seventh year, you can get some waivers for that. If you're in grad school, you can get a waiver for that. But that's about it. I miss anything, Evan? No, I think the clarity is there's not unlimited amounts of waivers. There are certain things you can get waivers for, and you just need to understand what those are. So when you're having a discussion with the players, all right, you don't get this, then can we get you a waiver? No, just um, yes or no, and you can work through the flow chart. So um, I think it probably brings up the next point of the CRA register document, because I think if we just quickly chat through that, That'll help us when you get a no as to whether you can get a waiver and the way you determine whether you can get a waiver is by working through the, the flow chart. So uh, pretty straightforward um, in my eyes after doing this for quite a number of years. Uh, the more you understand the rules, the easier it is for you to have those conversations with your team. Yep, yep. So the next thing we'll talk about is the CRAA registrar form. So it looks basically identical to the one we had last year with the Florida Rugby Union. Um, letterhead, except now it's on CRAA letterhead. So all like anybody that needs a waiver needs to be on that, um, on that registrar form. So fill out the form, you know, it's a fillable PDF. Now, um, you're supposed to have every person sign it individually. Um, yeah, if you need to move fast, do what you need to do. Get that thing finished, get into the registrar, take in a gift card, help grease the wheels. I mean, you know, still expect two weeks turnaround time on that. Um, but yeah, it's a pain in the ass what we have to, what we asked the registrar office to do. So just know that going in. Um, that one should be pretty straightforward. You should be able to see right off the bat, based on age, who's into their sixth and seventh year. I mean, you can just assume that they're 18 when they graduate high school. So if they're past 23 years old, like you should probably start working on waivers for those guys. But So I, I think the biggest component there is um, read the dates. So in um, high school graduation, anything 2018 and above, you should be flagging. All right, like, like on any 67, anything 2016 or before, you should know that you're not going to get a waiver for them. The date of birth is another one, like Kirk said. Um, in my opinion, it should be flipped. We should have the graduation date done by the school, but it seems to be a little different in this form from ours. Um, but that's okay. Um, the last piece is student the student enrollment. Yes, I know we went through that one full time. Uh, undergraduate, graduate, really straightforward. And the, the one that we don't discuss a lot is is the student in good standing. And this is generally a school requirement. So that is either the grades are bad. 
um, 2.0 or below. They haven't paid certain fees. There are other different holds you can have on your account. Um, and I would say 99.9% of the time, if you get a no in that last column, you are not getting a waiver for, for that for any reason. You can attempt for any other reason, but I've never seen a waiver approved for not a good standing at school because that means as a conference, we are saying we don't care what the school thinks and we're just going to give you a waiver because we feel like you should be playing rugby. And that's not what we're in. That's not how it works with school sports. So I think it's very important that everybody understands that. But that's the simplest way of reading your form is complete that form, um, get it completed, and then review it and understand the dates and make sure the seal is on there and it's legible on that when we receive it. Um, and that'll help you work with the flow chart. It's my biggest advice to anybody is to make sure all of that stuff is there. The other piece that I would recommend is you do not have the kids handwrite on this form. Make sure that the that you're typing it all out using your regist uh, registration list from Rugby Explorer and inserting all of those in, type in, it makes it way easier for the conference and the uh, CRA to check names to make sure they match up. And it makes it way easier for the registrar's office to read it. If you have scribbly handwriting, it's on writing, it's on the field, it's never going to work. So, um, yeah, that would be the two big pieces. Review your document as soon as you get it back. Look for the no's. Um, and then review, make sure the document is really, really legible and easy to understand. Yep. Yep. So it is a, a fillable PDF. So you can type in names, student IDs, USA Rugby member IDs um, on the computer before you print it out. And that'll save a shit ton of work. So the last thing we got to talk about are consortium agreements. So for schools that have consortium agreements, this form, this registrar form needs to be filled out for those students taken to their university. They have to, they have to be a full-time undergraduate in good standing, all that type of stuff. You also then need proof that they are approved by the home school, right? So the consortium agreements I'm aware of are FIU and FAU. So I need, we need something from FIU and FAU stating whichever schools they have consortium agreements are allowed to play on the campus rec or sports clubs or whatever. And then those students that you're looking for approval need to be on a letterhead from the school stating they have, they have approval. Like, and all that stuff needs to be sorted out ahead of time. Like, don't try to bring that stuff to me two so days before. Just, just to clarify, the consortium agreement schools, which are FIU and FAU, need to have a written agreement. So what that means is an email from Sonic Sports Club saying, we have a written agreement or a policy in place that allows for these students, uh, students who come from these schools. So um, I think it's like Miami D Technical College, I think is one of them, and there's a few of the other ones um, around FIU that they have an agreement with those and there's a specific agreement that those students are allowed to place club sports. It can't be a handshake and oh yes, yes, we approve that. There needs to be that. So that's the first step is the written agreement sent over to Kirk or myself and then we can get that over to CRA for them to approve. One. Two, you then need a further list of guys saying they are these players are, are known to the school and we approve them playing for our our, our club sport team. Short of those two things, those kids are not eligible to play. Is that correct, Kurt? Yeah. And then those 
those kids also need to be proof that they are full-time undergraduate right. and in good standing. So then you have to do this registrar form at that other school as well. If you do not want to do the work, then do not try attempt to do it. I think there's a lot of work there. I think there's a lot of benefit having these kids play, but it does require a huge amount of paperwork. And with us signing up part of CRAA, we must make sure that we're following that. It was a big hot button for them. They want to make sure those consortium agreements are above board and we're not getting our programs in trouble by allowing them to play. Yeah. I mean, because half of this stuff is going to be university policy. It's not even like FRU or FCC policy or CRA. Half of this stuff is university policy. So, um, Correct. Yeah. Anything else on eligibility? Get it done. Get it done. It sucks. It's, it's heavy lifting at the beginning. But once it's done and out of the way, you know your kids, you know the ones you need to get waivers for, get them all done. Just, don't procrastinate because it is it is a, it's an almighty tux because every single time you submit that form the registrar's office, it comes back with something you weren't expecting coming. Um, and Gomez does it best. He has really good conversations with his players right up front, setting the standard of what they need to have. Um, and I think when you do that, then it doesn't come back as much as a shock. But it's super important you know what your players are and where they stand and the easier you can do that. Um, the better off you're going to be in down with the school. So the last thing you want to do is shop and select a team for one thing and then add three guys ineligible or have what happened to FAU last year when they lost a whole bunch of games because of playing ineligible players. So all those things are things we want to avoid this year. So let's jump on this super early. Right. All right. Uh, a couple other items. There is a referee course October 29th in Christmas, Florida, that's somewhere in Central Florida, right? I've never heard of Christmas, but somewhere up there, right? Yeah, it's between Orlando and Titusville. So it's a little sound there that has community center that we can use. So I would encourage everybody who has people interested to do it, particularly here in an area where you have where a really short referee. It's super important that you backfill, that we backfill players in there. And if we start making requests to the referees, we have to show that we're doing our part to fill more referees in there. So, um, for, so Evan, there's a chance that you guys might to get to 50 this year, which means you might be able to have three teams. Like, are you going to have any of your players? You know, the problem when you start getting to two and three teams, you start having referee coverage. So are you going to encourage any of your players to get certified so that way on these reserve grade games you can have students referee them and make some money back on the day? Yeah, what I'm more my grad student players um, who are not eligible, but still will be around. I'd love for them to be able to um, get some more certifications in there. Uh, there's players who are chronically injured. I had two or three of those who um, were probably better doing that. So that's why I plan to push those into doing the course. I believe one of them at least has signed up. Um, we also have two coaches who are certified referees who we're quite content with also refereeing games. So we make sure that we're both certified and we can cover those or we'll cover a women's game and then the women's referees that they have on their staff will come referee our, our B and C, C games if needed. I will say that, so I'm refereeing out here in California and refereeing is great, uh, particularly if we've got for kids, you know, 
refereeing is fantastic for a multitude of reasons, particularly when you like are no longer playing. You know, like one of the best things about refereeing is that you don't have to train Tuesdays and Thursdays. You know, and then you can just show up on the weekends and still be a part of the match, part of the game. Uh, the other great thing about refereeing, particularly for young college kids, is that the pathway for referees, there is a very clear pathway that does not get discussed very much about how to get onto the HSBC or the pathway to, to D1A, which leads to the MLR and all. Like, there are so many opportunities for young referees. It is incredible. Um, I know it's difficult. Like, in Florida, I know there's, like, a bad – not the greatest environment for referees. You know, I think that a lot of times coaches and players expect too much from referees. You know, I talk about that quite a lot. Um, but yeah, like, <clears throat> I think becoming a referee, you know, we're trying to do something here where maybe we get a group of, of recent young grads to, to referee a lot of the FCC matches that requires a lot of interaction with the referee society, which, you know, has not gone you know, wasn't approved in the past, but we'll see what happens. But um, getting in now, they have so many tools for referees. They have this thing called Advantage where you get your games recorded. You know, this is why it's important to record video video of the matches, get it to the referees. They can get into Advantage and they get a referee coach and they get feedback and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they can, they can move up the chain and get into D1A. Um, that's a great pathway there. And then D1A is, is the, um, my understanding is the exclusive uh, breeding grounds for the MLR referees. The other thing is you can start doing the sevens, you know, that you need to be young and fit. Well, you need to be fit to be able to referee sevens and they love young referees, right? They're looking now for mid twenties for six years from now on the next world cup or for the next HSBC. They look that far out for young refs. So, Young referees, young recent grads that you know are not sure if they want to play or not. If you want to get into refing, you could likely skyrocket up the damn chain. And there's, um, it's pretty fun because you you're guaranteed to get paid on the weekend. Um, if you start doing some of these exchange programs, you get to change, you get to travel and stuff. You know, there's a bunch of Jews out here in Southern California that've been to South Africa, New Zealand, all these scholarships and stuff. So it's not terrible. It's actually pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, be ref, so that's my whole pitch there. Nice, good. Yeah, I agree. Repping, repping really helps. I think it helps at all levels. So, just helps you understand more of the game, helps you do all of that. So, um, you brought up video today, Kirk. Um, there's some quick updates on the video. I know you have to come out because you're going to try to push that out in kind of a separate email of the conversation. But, um, we've moved a long way. We're trying to get every single one of our games streamed. I know you've set the schedule. Where everybody's kickoff times are staggered either one, three, or five. And the reason for that is so we can have everybody broadcast on the newly formed FCC YouTube channel. Um, we should have a complete proposal for everybody to review, um, hopefully in the next week or two, right? Right. Yeah. So there was a, a really positive meeting that recently went down with Full Sail, right? So they were talking about having a weekly wrap up show that gets produced and that way this is wonderful content that you can sell out to you know your your fans and alumni and all that type of stuff yeah i mean we want to the the streaming package is, is not dead like we're still working actually working towards that and we should have some better information here shortly shortly in a you know a couple of weeks so my next communication i'm hoping is about that where we're talking about yeah. dollars and and 
infrastructure, you know, like. Yeah, and if, again, you've got, if, you've got, if you've got sponsors you want to attack for your team, this is a great way of doing it. The, the package you include the ability for you to run an advertisement for them in the middle of your streaming games. Um, so you're giving sponsors value through that, through the streaming. Um, the other factor that's kind of cool is what they want to do is they want to create a little bit more production value, um, whereby you'll do a media day and players will each have a picture taken for like a profile and maybe toss the ball around. It's just little media related things like that so they can add value to the production of the, of the streaming. Um, so a lot of this is still in its infancy, but this is the vision what they have and what they want to deliver for us. So I think it's it's kind of a really cool thing for us and it will set us about no one else will be doing this. and. Not a lot of other conferences around the country are really doing the, the conference-wide streaming like we are. Yeah, like I said, I think this will really put us uh, way ahead of a lot of folks. Uh, I think it also really help with recruiting up north in uh, the Midwest and the Northeast. So, um, you know, the weather down in Florida is advantageous for most parts of the year. Obviously not in September and October with during hurricane season, but um, outside of that, it's, it's fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to cost a little bit of money. Um, but yeah, this is a great opportunity to go get some sponsors, you know, like, uh, I mean, we were talking and you're talking about, you know, you go to that burger, you joint, right. They have YouTube TV. So on your away games, right. If they're streamed on YouTube, they can even host, uh, viewing parties and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. That was, that was the thought they came up with. So we told them, Hey, this is thinking about doing this. We're not thinking, we are going to do it. And would you be interested in maybe sponsoring part? Like, oh, that's so cool. We have YouTube here. We'll just, on your away games, we'll do a viewing party for your game at, you know, three or five o'clock when you go to FIU or do all this. So they were the ones who were very engaged by it because it just gives them more content, more reason for people to come into the bar or the restaurant. So, yeah, that was just kind of was interesting stuff that they they came really positively back to us. Yeah, so I... Hopefully, all the teams have a post-match social restaurant that they can go to or something like this. You know, I'm, I'm hoping the days of, you know, house parties after matches are coming to an end if it have not already been to an end. And if you can take three match, you know, three post-game socials to a restaurant, you're bringing you know, your 30 players with at least the opponent's 30 player. You're bringing 60 people in there. You know, you're bringing a lot of revenue in, so that should cost. You know, that's that that you should be getting a kickback there. So you can be easily ask for a sponsorship for this, where you're bringing in, you know, also if you do your preseason, uh, postseason games there too. So it could be anywhere from five to six uh, events here, where you're bringing in sixty plus people. Um, yeah, I mean that's 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 one way to attack it, and there's plenty of other options out there as well. So, um, yeah. All right, man. You got anything else, Evan? No. Have a good weekend, Kirk. Um, as usual, nice work. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting back into the business of rugby. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. So people should be pretty much into the beginnings of their full preseason. If you're you know, a couple of matches in, great. Uh, good luck sustaining that momentum throughout the entire fall. You know, I, I wish people take the fall easy, you know, and uh, like I said, get to the point where you're getting 30 people out on the weekend. So that way you can have two teams. And now instead of trying to develop people now for the spring, you're developing people this spring for next spring. But hey, uh, do what you got to do. Uh, best of luck, everyone. And you guys.
Yeah. <laughs>